Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Breaking off. Oh, yeah. I'm in with one, two. Pick a target. Too many, Captain. Want to stabilize the gold safe. Hey, my cavalry. I've got two vultures on my tail. Got to hold them here. Watch your left. I can't shake them. I'm hit. Hit. Where's the reinforcement? Soon, the galaxy will be remade. The Jedi... And Republic will die. I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. Great care we must take. Why would anyone walk away from being a Jedi? We were trained to be keepers of the peace, not soldiers. We clowns have mixed feelings about the war. Without it, we wouldn't exist. All part of the plan. The plan. Everything is about to change. Super Movie Brothers. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. The sound of crickets is being played because Jay doesn't watch the thing that we are going to be discussing tonight. Uh, I actually brought in a good friend of the show. You may have heard him on our episode 200. He gave us some well wishes, wished us a very happy birthday, and uh, he is also a fan of Star Wars, like myself, so I brought him on to talk the Clone Wars season finale. It's Tony from the Take Two podcast. What is up, Tony? Yeah, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, longtime listener, first time guest, I guess, which is nice. Been a fan for a long time. Glad to finally jump on with you and have something to talk about. Absolutely. And look, you uh, you have been a fan of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Uh, have, have you been watching the series since it premiered? Did you go to the theaters and see the movie and all that good stuff? You know, uh, I've introduced the show to my son years ago by watching the theatrical movie, which I, I never saw it in the theater. So I bought the DVD. We watched it at home, and I was like this is not as good as i hoped it would be to be honest that was my uh, opinion of the movie and i watched the show back in the day and you know it started out a little slow a little kid friendly for me but then got better got deeper and the storylines and all that i really enjoyed it and then i even followed up still with rebels down the road and all that so i slowly became a fan of the star wars animated world you know and like a good fan you stopped when star wars resistance the cartoon came out because that is just (laughs) god off yes i I can't say anything good about it i think i watched one or two episodes and i was like no I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, I I think that like the fact that the main character's name sounds like a sneeze, like his name is Kazuka or something like that, <laughs> Kazuka, Kazunka. God bless you. I was just like I, I can't 
I, yeah, I can't say that name mm-hmm. in, a, in a Star Wars conversation and not sound like I feel like I'm a moron. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, like you, I saw the Clone Wars movie. I actually went to the theaters to see it. Okay. I went with okay. my friend Kenny, and he was just like, "Dude, this isn't going to be like a Star Wars movie, movie." And I was like, "Come on, it's Star Wars! I mean, what's the worst it could be? We survived, you know." attack of the clones like we'll mm-hmm. definitely survive whatever this is and he goes it'll be worse so i was like i don't think it'll be worse we we sit down and we're about like 20 minutes in and he's just like i'm fucking now and i was like seriously and he's like i'm done he's like i can't watch this <laughs> he's like I, I i don't know what like what this is but he's like it, it's like if looney tunes made a version of star wars sure. and it's like and i'm just not with it well and <laughs> so for, for fans he, of the mandalorian i mean i don't want to spoil anything but after watching Mandalorian, I was like, wait a minute, this is kind of like the Clone Wars movie, but done way better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's done by the same, you know, uh, executive producer. Uh, obviously, John Favreau uh, is the showrunner and executive producer, but another executive producer, yeah, Dave, Dave Filoni, Filoni yeah. uh, one of the head writers on it, creator of the Clone Wars. So, yeah, well, we, we, well, we could talk about the Mandalorian stuff that we saw because uh, Dave Filoni did an interview there. And I think the story about how he got the job to do Clone Wars is absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, he yeah. was working on Avatar, The Last Airbender at the time, uh, which is a Nickelodeon thing. And he got a phone call from Lucasfilm Animation. He's just like, fuck you. There is no Lucas. Film animation. <laughs> yeah, that was good on the uh, the Mandalorian documentary on Disney Plus. If you guys haven't watched it, it was a great story he told. I, I really liked everybody's roundtable thing, but his really st- stood out the most for me. Yeah, uh, him and uh, Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi was just. Uh you know, he truly is like he's like a star of of the Mandalorian in himself in his own right. I mean, not not just because he's the voice of you know IG Eleven, but also like all the behind the scenes stuff and just like in that documentary, I I was just hanging on everything he said because he says it with such like dry humor. But then like you watch him behind the scenes, and he always has like a, a funny a funny quirk sure, or something. Sure. You know, it was it was it was a good time watching that. I suggest everybody watch it. It was only the first episode, which was just all about the directors. Um, but yeah, so. Dave Filoni creates this, creates the character of Ahsoka. You know, six seasons go by, technically five seasons. Uh, Lucasfilm is acquired by Disney. Uh, Disney then cancels the show. There was already, I believe it was like eight episodes, seven or eight episodes in the bag. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were like, all right, fine. Um, We will you know, sell the streaming rights to Netflix and the Clone Wars Lost episodes came out. And that was, I believe, like four years ago. Yeah. Like three or four years ago. Yeah, I think it was like 14. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've heard nothing since. Like there's been absolutely, you know, nothing since. And then of course, when Disney Plus was announced, we got this trailer of just all the clone helmets all lined up and we were told it was the final season of Clone Wars. And you know, it's it's come, it's gone. We we got a pretty strong first uh, arc, I would think, with the with the bad batch. I mean, it was it was fun, but it was also something that was so steeped in the lore of Clone Wars in and of itself. Sure. So I will be releasing some articles. Uh, that I mean, not not articles, but like I will be posting some stuff somewhere that is like my Clone Wars must watch for those people who want to watch it but want to not. Yeah, go yeah. You, you can stuff. definitely like pick so, and choose and, and get to know, yeah. you know all the mall episodes, all the Ahsoka episodes, stuff like that is very important. But there's a lot of stuff you can skip over. But yeah, I mean, uh, if we're, get, For we're sure. getting into the, the first episodes there with the Bad Batch, I loved the first episode, especially I was like, yes, I, I felt like so good to be back in that world. And I don't know about you, but all I was thinking oh, sure. was like, it felt like Predator to me, like those those group of soldiers. I was like, this is so it just it just seemed like a suicide squad of ragtag guys. I loved it. And that's purposeful. I think they really wanted 
wanted to show something that was that was similar to like a Suicide Squad or a Dirty Dozen. Uh, but they, they were also a lot of the Bad Batch. All of them were based on a different action star. Uh, so, I mean, obviously the main one, I can't remember his name, but he was he was made to look like Rambo. Yeah. Like he was just very clearly with the bandana and everything. Like right. Yeah. <laughs> with the bandana. Yeah. Um, but what it really reminded me of, did you ever play uh, Star Wars Republic Commando on the original Xbox? No, I didn't. I'm not huge into the old games. I know you you guys are huge into it and talked about Knights of the Old Republic and all that. I just haven't played any of those. So, yeah. So it's I mean, it's a game where you play as a squad of four. Each one is a different specialized Republic Commando and you you're you're on Geonosis and you're just wrecking house. Uh, and it's it's good stuff, but it's squad based. So like you have to use each of your teammates skills to your ability. So it's somewhat like real time strategy, but also uh, first person shooter on top of that. So it was an interesting balance. I really enjoyed the game, but that's what the Bad Batch reminded me of. Yeah. But I, I, I realized that like while watching it, my wife watched it with me and she goes, I don't understand what's going on. And I'm trying <laughs> to explain to her, you know, like who this clone is that they're going to rescue and, and why he's important to Rex and like all this stuff and what the Citadel is. And mm-hmm. she's like, I, I have, I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, well, it's, it's kind of important, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, not, I was, I, I was waiting for that moment where it was like zero, you son of a bitch, you know, give me that moment. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked the way that the format of the season worked with those, how it was those four episodes. Cause we kind of watched them that way. I just binged it. Uh, I waited and watched the first episode. Then I was like, let me finish the arc. So you can do that and sit down and watch, four eps four eps four eps and i think it flows really well that way certainly with this last one uh with the with the last arc the last four episodes with ahsoka and you know her going to mandalore um that was made purposefully to look like a movie and when we get to that arc you know we'll we'll get into that a little bit but what i realized they were doing was they were telling an arc about rex um and kind of showing like his bit of distrust in the republic in itself uh and also in in, in kind of like the war um and uh, especially you know with with what he discovers is going on to his friend so he so so it's you know it's him following it's following up with that like we've seen rex become disillusioned throughout the series with the whole war especially when he meets the deserter in a previous episode and stuff so um it's kind of like catching you up on rex and where he is now and then the next the next four episodes are about ahsoka and what kind of like she's been up to since she left the jedi order after you know she was accused of murder in season five if you uh i'm assuming everyone listening has watched the series because if you haven't you got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to spoil the final arc here, but we are going to talk about story points and stuff just to just to get us into a frame of mind of where this starts up. And you know, she it really like she's the whole point of that arc was just showing, uh, kind of reinforcing why she left the Jedi. Um, you know, she's meeting these people who distrust Jedi. She's finding out that regular citizens don't trust Jedi. Uh, the, the majority of citizens actually believe that the Jedi started the Clone War, which I guess technically is true if you think about Master Sifo Dyas and going to 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 Kamino and starting all that. Even though it wasn't him, it was Duco. But you know, yeah, you can see where people can make that can make that that jump. Yeah, and it was interesting to see that side of things. I think because you don't really see that in any other Star Wars properties. No, for sure. And I think Ahsoka was like the perfect character to do it because she comes with very little baggage, right? Like there's nothing that she can really say or do that can undo what she's done in other Star Wars material. You know, like there's no movie that that she that that, that like her story can completely undo. The only thing you can undo is anything that Ahsoka's been in before that. And a lot of people still are not 
I ha- either haven't checked it out or or just aren't into it. So, uh, but I really enjoyed those episodes. But she she winds up meeting Bo Katan, who is the sister of Duchess Satine of Mandalore, and we get back into a Mandalore story, which was my favorite arc of Clone Wars ever. It was Darth Maul using his underground syndicate, his crime syndicate, to take over Mandalore, and it was absolutely fantastic. And you watch Mandalore fall, and Darth Sidious comes back to just put the smackdown on Darth Maul. It was, it was. Mwah, just yeah, perfect. Yeah. I absolutely loved that. And arc. that's also one of the things that I love the most about these new episodes is that you're kind of getting tie-ins to every other property. I think that's what they did the best with these 12 episodes that they gave us was, hey, here's some hints to what we did in Solo, or here's some hints to what we did in Rogue One, and here's where we may be going with Mandalorian. Here's where we may be going with an Obi-Wan show. Like, I thought that was so smart of them to set this up and use this final run of episodes to kind of do that and, and give you a little bit more connective tissue to some of the other properties. Yeah, because they very easily just could have been like you know here's here's these ones and we we don't we want to keep it away from from the movies as much as possible because you know we don't want to do, we don't want to tarnish that property but they really are taking more of like an inclusive look at this when you know when they were doing it which which is far different than what they've done you know in the past with clone Wars. so much of like I, I think of like the earlier episodes where like dave filoni if you ever watch like any of the commentary on the old episodes dave filoni always joked where he's like we want to use grievous as a villain because we think like he's he's a cool looking villain and we we never liked really how he was portrayed in revenge of the sith it's kind of like a here's a cool guy he's dead it's kind of like a star wars trope uh so so they wanted to flush him out but they realized we can't put him against anakin because there's one line in revenge of the sith where he's like general grievous you know you're taller than i thought yeah. you'd be <laughs> it's like that's the first time they met so they're like we can't put anakin against this awesome villain so we have our main character in the show and we literally can't put him against one of our you know what we think is one of our coolest at least most visually stunning bad guys so you'll find like throughout the series that like general grievous just kind of like disappears he becomes like a, a nothing character mm-hmm. for the most part and they they kind of bring asajj Ventress and other uh separatist uh threats full uh forward especially darth maul and savage mm-hmm. press so it, it was it was just interesting see you know w- looking at it then and then looking at it now where it's like they wanted to do so much to not step on the toes of anything to watching it now when they're like you know what? We're all part of the same family. Just, just get in bed. Let's let's just have a big incestuous. Origin. And, and I think that. that I think that comes back to Rogue One being successful by moving Saw Gerrera into the live action. I think they were like, oh, this works. Let's do this. You know, why not? And then they, and then they started to give the little hints of like, hey, Ghost is in this scene or whatever. And you got those little like Easter eggs for the true fans, but it works so well. So why not follow it up? Absolutely. And now, of course, we did get the news or it's actually technically not confirmed, but it's as confirmed as Rosario Dawson is willing to admit mm-hmm. that it is that uh, she will be playing Ahsoka Tano in something live action, supposedly Mandalorian season two. Then there's also rumors that there's going to be an Ahsoka animated series taking place after Rebels, like a sequel sure. series to that. Maybe even Ahsoka solo series or an Ahsoka movie, all this stuff that they're discussing Taika Waititi was just uh you know just giving the reins to a Star Wars movie uh that's going to be written by the 1917 screenwriter maybe that's the project he's working on I think I could actually see him taking on a character like Ahsoka but uh no one knows none of it's actually confirmed but a lot of leaks out there and no one's saying nay to it and Rosario Dawson is pretty much going out there thanking fans for for pretty much casting her in this role that she's not willing to say that she's accepted yeah yeah well and then they also kind of said that they were doing a female-centric show from the showrunner of russian doll i think that that was actually uh, you know given out there as news too so they haven't really given more 
more info than that, just that it's female centric. So who knows? Maybe Ahsoka will be part of that. I mean, and I, even watching this season of Clone Wars, I was like, oh, are they trying to set up like this Martez sisters? Like they want to bring them in further? Or like you said, follow oh, right. up Sabine. I know? could totally see them crossing over with, with like the younger Han Solo and stuff. Sure. Because, you know, uh, Aldrin, uh, Aldrin Ehrreich, he is still contracted for like two more Disney things uh, as a result of his contract with Solo. Yeah. So. They could release them from it if they want, or they can kind of add things in that they've that they've had throughout the rest of Star Wars and kind of build a, a new story around that. I don't think it would be a movie. I think you would actually see him show up in something along the lines of like the Cassian Andor series that they're sure. bringing to Disney Plus uh-huh. in the next few years. Um, but let's let's get into let's get into this arc. Um, let, let, let's get into to these these four episodes that we're discussing. Uh, we're we're di- we're just discussing the final four episodes, the final arc. Part one is called Old Friends Not Forgotten. Part two is The Phantom Apprentice. Part three is called Shattered, and part four is called Victory and Death. And this sees Ahsoka Tano teaming up with Bo-Katan, and uh, she is a Mandalorian who defected from Death Watch after Darth Maul took over, and she's being asked to help liberate Mandalore from Darth Maul and his crime syndicate, but they have to ask the Jedi for help, and Ahsoka left the Jedi on not-so-great terms. In fact, most of the Jedi are not happy to see her, with the exception of her former master, Anakin Skywalker. So, um, just without going into details about like what we see in these four episodes what were your overall thoughts Tony uh, I mean this one like I said it just felt more cinematic even from the opening of it like you said they they changed up the opening I think you kind of hinted towards that earlier and, and made it kind of presented as a four-part finale which I thought was really nice starts with a Lucasfilm LTD yeah, right yep, yep. and then it hits you with with the Clone Wars and the red letters now and it kind of like that kind of fades off in the distance no opening crawl but you do get like it, it, almost like the way a Mandalorian episode started where you get the music and kind of sure. like this like this this very uh bass heavy drum heavy beat coming in as it shows you know the name of the episode you know part one uh the phantom apprentice blah, 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 and, and then yeah it moves on, and, so. and i feel like each of the four episodes gave you at least one really good like nostalgic moment or like badass scene it really did feel cinematic i would like to watch this all together as one presented as a film i think because i think it really sells that and something i read online i don't know if you noticed it or or paid attention at all but they said that they changed the filming of the show a little bit or the animation of the show for this final run where they made the eyes a little smaller to make them look more human humanistic than you did in the original run of the show i don't know if you noticed that or read that anywhere i don't think i did notice that but um i did notice just how much the animation has come like when you watch the original clone wars movie they are marionette puppets mm. just moving around. It's like watching a Punching Judy, uh, you know, <laughs> puppet <laughs> show in front of you. But like as it's progressed, especially now watching it now with how far computer animation has progressed and the fact that Disney Plus has, you know, UHD streaming for free, uh, watching this in UHD on my on my you know living room TV, I had the lights off. I had it on. I had the, I had the sound turned all the way up and I was like. This is as close to like as like this is the Clone Wars movie I want. Sure, right? sure. This yeah. is like if, if they put this out 1999 video on demand and you can you could have rented this and that was the only way you were going to see it, I gladly would have paid the money twice to watch it, just once for enjoyment, once to review. So And that was one of the great things is how they ran it right up into the events of Revenge of the Sith. I mean, but we'll get to it a little later, but you're running concurrently with those events and it, it really makes you 
feel better about the prequels in a way. Like, oh, I, I kind of feel a little more fondly about that last movie and how it plays into these events now that you're again seeing kind of a different side of it. And then they even took some of the scenes from the movie and then animated them. I thought that was kind of cool. Like, like you see almost the exact same scene in animation from Revenge of right. the Sith, which I thought was brilliant. Mostly in hologram conversations, sure. uh, you know, around like these, these are conversations we saw the Jedi Council having in Revenge of the Sith. And I like that because they're little timestamps pretty much as, as Star Wars fans, you now know when this takes place based on what's going on. The first episode ends. Uh, it's not really a spoiler to say that Anakin and Obi-Wan are pretty much being called off because the battle of Coruscant is happening overhead sure. and they need to go. They need to rescue the Chancellor. So uh, it's all cut short here. You know, bye, Ahsoka. Good luck. Here's here's your gifts, two gifts that I'm giving you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving you half of the 501st Legion, and I am also giving you new lightsabers. Peace. Bye. And that's the last time we see Anakin. It's one of these things that I loved about this arc is, you know, the way they kind of played with this is all happening around Revenge of the Sith. Some moments are bleeding into this, but there's one thing that keeps coming back over and over and over again is Ahsoka is I got to talk to Anakin about this and then she doesn't I got to talk to Anakin about this and she doesn't you know Mm -hmm. it's like this because obviously if she did why isn't that seen in Revenge of the Sith but also it it, it also ties her back in to that main story Um, and then you realize that like if she were to talk to Anakin that would be a nuclear bomb to the entire canon Uh, so it's but it's it's nice to see because it goes into their dynamic and the strain that they both have for the Jedi Council Um, you know there's some moments that are just absolutely uh i want to say like heart you know heart wrenching as well but like mainly you kind of see the disillusion of the jedi and if you listen to our revenge of the sith movie cocktail i'm very into the fact that the jedi were just a group of fuck-ups by the time revenge of the sith comes around they are completely arrogant disillusioned and not wholly prepared for for what's going on for being the supreme warriors that they're meant to be and ahsoka is calling them out on their shit which I love throughout the entire first, uh, throughout the entire first, uh, you know, this entire arc, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and there's some really cool moments. I mean, throughout we see, uh, was it the first episode? I think where you see Anakin on the bridge. Is that the first one? That's uh, that. That is the first episode, which we'll actually get into in uh, Easter eggs because uh, there's an interesting like little Easter egg that goes along with that bridge battle because this starts off with with Anakin and Rex fighting one final battle before heading yeah. off to uh, Coruscant. Yeah. But, you know, by the time she gets... I, I was going to say, I just love that that version of Anakin that I don't think we got enough of in the movies is like, yeah, he's, he's still a Jedi, but he's kind of getting a little bit worse and more aggressive and, and just in his tactics and it's not Jedi-like. And I'd, I love seeing that version of Anakin that I didn't see enough of in the original prequels, you know? It definitely goes into what Yoda says, you know, in uh, in Revenge of Sith. Or I think it's Mace Windu who says, like, you know, he's, he's arrogant and it, and uh, I think uh, Yoda is the one that says a trait that's all too common among young Jedi today. Mm-hmm. So, but we definitely see his a little bit of his arrogance, his brashness, and his I, I would say like overconfidence. He's he's certainly not cautious, and he's definitely uh, especially you know we saw in in the earlier arc with the Bad Batch. He he he's definitely allowing his anger to take control more and more, which is nice because if you watch Friends of the Sith, the turn just kind of happens. You know, yeah. it's not too much of a slow burn. Uh, it is, and I guess in the runtime of that movie, but kind of like in the entire pantheon of Star Wars, it kind of feels like it happens pretty quick. So to see these little moments peppered throughout all of the Clone Wars, uh, where Anakin kind of gets close to to 
touching the dark side. Yeah. And of course, you know, once you once you you know touch the dark side, once you once you use it, you know, forever will it dominate your. And destiny. that's always been one of the things I argue with people why they should watch the show. If you don't give, you know, oh, it's just animation. I don't want to watch it. Is because it does flesh out that that version of Anakin and, and a few other things that are great about it that kind of make you appreciate the prequels more if you get into this world a little bit more. Absolutely. And uh, I think like you know, just finally w- without spoiling the rest of everything, I think all the battles on Mandalore were absolutely fantastic. I think all that stuff was extremely well done. The action is on point. And this might have, I think, like my second favorite lightsaber duel in it. Yeah, I went ahead and said fa- I said favorite just because I was so impressed by the technology of it. Yeah, I don't know if you saw like the making of stuff online and how they got you know Ray Park back and it's all just that. Yeah, stunning. just the way that they did motion capture and then transferred it into animation. It's amazing. If you haven't seen it, take a few minutes to pull it up on YouTube. Yeah, because it certainly goes into how why now the animation has more fluid movements and not so much of the marionette puppet look that that the show had previously but yeah getting ray park back but also sam witwer i mean he is just an absolutely fantastic voice actor and obviously you know he's made an impression you know by playing darth maul for so long that they even used his voice in solo when darth maul appeared in that it wasn't ray park's voice it was it was uh it it was sam witwer who you know has been in the star wars family for quite some time ever since playing uh star killer in the old uh, xbox 360 you know ps3 error game force unleashed okay yeah never played that one either i'm sorry <laughs> you got me on the video games your knowledge yeah your knowledge is much deeper than i there so i mean fantastic voice acting throughout uh and then i think like with the final two episodes that's where we really hit the emotional points of the, of the story and they did a fantastic job where like there's still action but especially in like that second to last episode they kind of bring everything down a, a little bit for the first half of it and they really get us into the headspace of the characters and then of course the the bombshell that that we're all waiting for knowing that this is running concurrently with Revenge of the Sith is order 66 and just the emotional gut punch that that brings because we're not watching it on a mass scale like we did in revenge of the sith we're watching it happen to a character that we kind of grew up with i guess a little bit even though you know i've been watching it since i was in my 20s but you know it's it's someone we've spent a lot of time with and it's a character that we root for um as as fans of this show and fans of the character so and they did a great job of just showing that relationship between her and captain rex throughout um that i don't think that it it didn't feel cheap right it didn't feel rushed it didn't feel like they're like well because they're both in rebels we need to show that they both you know, have this care for each other. It felt natural by the time we got. Well, and that's to that what point. I was going to say. Even knowing that they're still going to be around in Rebels and all that, I still felt the tension. I think it was re- written so well that you're like, "Oh, is that really what's going to go on? Is this going to happen?" You know, and I still felt it. I was still on the edge of my seat, waiting to see how they were going to resolve that. So, uh, I mean, I think we talked about most of what we can talk about without getting into big spoilers. Um, but do you have a score for for the Clone Wars series finale? You arc? know, for the final four episodes, if we're talking about just that, it's damn near perfection for me. So, I mean, I'd probably go nine out of 10. I, 
I don't know. How about you? Yeah, it sounds like an A plus yeah. to me. That's that's right where I am. I will, you know, I will caution people that I, I think our scores are our, our extremely high scores come from a place of two people who have watched the show, you know, through its entire runtime. So if you're not someone who's who's watched the show, you could pick it up and probably still have a pretty good time with it. Probably around like a seven or eight, maybe. But you know, if you if you've watched the show the entire time, you've taken this journey with the characters, and you're you're now here watching this this extremely well done yeah. finale um then it's only going to heighten it for you so keep an eye out i will be posting these must-see episodes i think what i'll do is i'll just do i'll probably do tweets for them where i just kind of like tweet each episode that you should be watching and i'll do a hashtag for it so you guys can just search the hashtag and go right through them to to pick out the episodes for those of you who haven't watched it because i've actually come across a few people who have been like you know i've never given it a real shot and it's like yeah it's the crazy. Yeah, it's crazy because you're missing out on some of the best <laughs> this, characters this in Star it. Wars lore. And honestly, this, like I said, this last four episodes run is up there with some of the theatrical quality of the films we've seen and possibly better than some of the films, I would say. So, yeah, it's definitely worth your time and right. worth watching. And and like you said, you could probably even pick it up and get the gist of it without having seen the whole series. So why not? Uh, but but seeing it, seeing a lot of it will heighten your experience. And of course, if you've been to Galaxy's Edge then you've met Hondo Anaka because mm-hmm. he is the one who is running the <laughs> he's the one that's running the uh, flight of the, the the Millennium Falcon ride and you would only know who he is if you watch Clone Wars and Rebels true so. true I'll, I'll hopefully be meeting him uh, next year as Disney World is currently closed thank you very much <laughs> yeah I know uh, Rob from uh you know, Rob, who does our, our movie cocktails with us, uh, you know, who used to do our movie cocktails with us, he uh, he actually had his scheduled for, for, I believe, beginning of April. He had to cancel it as well. But uh, when I was there and we, this was my first time on the Millennium Falcon ride, me and my wife come in and I just hear, hello. <laughs> and I was like, it's Hondo. <laughs> and my wife's like, it's who? And I was like, it's Hondo Wanaka. I was like, he's, he's pretty much like Ricardo uh, yeah. Pokemon. There you go. <laughs> And she's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was just like, she's like, who's Ricardo? And I was like, don't, don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> just listen to him. There He's fantastic. <laughs> uh, so let's head in. Let's get into some spoilers uh, for, for, for these episodes before sure. we get out of here. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. All right, so the spoiler warning has been issued. Uh, so if you plan on watching the Clone Wars, plan on watching these, and you haven't got to around to it yet, this is your time to jump off because we're going to get into some of the Easter eggs and big-time spoilers for the episode arc. So first off, part one, old friends not forgotten. Ah- Ahsoka and Bo-Katan are actually no strangers to each other. They actually encountered each other on a previous episode of Clone Wars where it was Ahsoka and Lux Bonteri who discovered them, uh, discovered the Mandalorian commandos on like some remote moon and they wind up fighting them, which is why she's able to look at ahsoka and go like all right she's a good fighter yeah i know Mm -hmm. you i remember you (laughs) yeah and then you know the the next episode the the, the first episode we we were talking about it begins on a bridge and the cool thing about this bridge fight is if you watched the clone wars movie it is actually echoing everything 
that happened in the beginning of the Clone Wars movie. You know, uh, there is a, a ridiculous plan that is that is going on uh, in the Clone Wars movie. It was Obi-Wan who, who fake surrendered to the Separatists. This time it's Anakin who surrenders and the clones kind of do a similar type move that him and Ahsoka did to defeat the the droids in in the first movie so i was i was kind of like in a way i was like all right you're you're paying homage to where this all started and that's kind of cool but you're also showing the progression of Anakin because he's not only the one who is is doing the bold and ridiculous thing. He's also the one that is coming up with the plan where previously it was kind of like Obi-Wan's thing. Um, so it's a little bit of like progression of Anakin and kind of shows how well him and Rex have gone on to to work together. But it was a nice little callback. Yeah, and I kind of mentioned it earlier a little bit before the spoilers and how much I appreciated seeing that growth of Anakin and his character. And yeah, it's just, it was a lot of fun. And I obviously done on purpose i'm sure dave filoni wanted to do that yeah i think i it's it's just a nice little tip of the hat to say like hey you've been here since you know this all started thanks (laughs) (laughs) thanks you watched that little baby hut (laughs) yeah exactly god damn it stinky i can't stand i still have uh i still have the original ahsoka toy from that from that movie uh with that came with stinky uh i think uh i had two of them one of them sold for like 90 dollars. so it's worth its weight for sure in plastic uh later on uh to like at the end of this battle to kind of get anakin's attention uh the word fulcrum is mentioned when they say that he's being hailed by the jedi council and he kind of like blows it off and they're like they got a a call from fulcrum Mm -hmm. and he immediately perks up and he says that Saul Guerrero must be calling in because that's the that, that's kind of like the moniker that Saul Guerrero was using at this time. But it turns out that it's just Ahsoka giving him a call and she's using the moniker Fulcrum because she knew it would get Anakin's attention immediately. And I absolutely love that because it's the moniker she uses mm-hmm. in the big first two seasons of yeah. Rebels as the rebel spot. Yeah. And that was, uh, I, I watched these episodes with my son who I also watched rebels with. So it was cool to kind of watch him like connect those dots and be like, Oh wait, we know that. And we've seen that before. And, you know, and that was one of the things I loved about this season overall was all that, the connective tissue and, and the nods to all the other series. They did it so well. Oh, so, so well. Um, I'm still kind of curious to, to get like maybe a follow up on agent Callus, the fulcrum who took over after Ahsoka. We'll just say left. Cause I don't want to spoil rebels for anybody, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if, if you don't watch the season finale of uh, season two finale of Rebels, um, you will get the follow up to Ahsoka and Maul pretty much. Moving on, Ahsoka enters the the meeting room, where, which we were talking about before. It's a hologram. They're all they're all kind of like talking about uh, about how the uh, sieges are going and, and, and how the wars are going. But one of the cool things that you'll see another little bit of connected tissue to Rebels is you see Kanan Jarrus, Caleb Dune, and his master deep. Bilaba standing there and uh, I mean obviously that's that's a big deal because Kanan Jarrus goes on to kind of be the star of Rebels I want to say but certainly a show steal yeah, for yeah, sure yeah. Um, absolutely loved his character and I remember reading that we were getting this and I gotta admit I totally missed it so now I want to rewatch episode one because I'm like I didn't catch him in there I knew we were supposed to see him somewhere and I missed it and especially after we just he's, he's a child oh okay because maybe that's why so I, that's I didn't why connect you probably it. Yeah. Didn't notice and I'm like oh we just got him connected in Rise of Skywalker as well so I was like this it's cool that they're gonna again bring it all you know full circle yeah and uh another thing like when ahsoka's requesting the help of the jedi uh to help liberate mandalore all the jedis pretty much say no and they kind of look down on her because they're like you're not a jedi anymore and they're not part of the republic so we can't go there and she's like yeah but there's a, i don't i don't want to tell you how to do your jobs as jedi or anything but there's a sith over mm-hmm. there 
You're aware of that, right? <laughs> no? All right. I guess I'll go on my own. And the only Jedi who steps up, who's just like, I want to do something to help you, is Anakin, who obviously is having his own issues with the council right around this time. And uh, I, I, I kind of feel like Anakin, like kind of giving her half of the 500 of first and, you know, rebuilding her lightsabers and handing them to her was kind of like his big, like, Oh, fuck you, Council. Sure, sure. Yeah, he was already starting to turn a little bit himself, but he also wanted to help out his Padawan and, and felt like what she was saying was well, right, you know? It is passion and emotion that leads you down the path of the dark side. So this is just kind of like Anakin not denying his his base emotions, you know? I, I It's still the right thing to do, though. And I think like that goes into like this whole disillusion of the Jedi, that like their dogmatic rules and laws brought them here to their downfall. Sure. Um, so, uh, but I, I really, I really like that. Ahsoka's given the upgraded lightsabers, which are now blue. And if I remember right, while reading the Ahsoka novel, I'm pretty sure she described them as green, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. So, I thought I saw somebody mention that retconned. somewhere else, that it was a little bit of a plot hole. If you, you know, tie it into canon, if you will, with the books, but yeah, whatever. Most people haven't read the books. <laughs> I mean, I, we, we don't, we don't talk about it. We didn't talk about it much in the beginning, but how fucking awesome was like the moment where her bow and all of the clones are, are landing on Mandalore. I mean, I guess we should say that the 501st, what the, the, the remainder of the Legion that, that went with her all painted their faces to their, their helmets to look exactly like Ahsoka, which was so touching. Yeah. Fucking. Love yeah. That. I mean, like I said earlier, there was a ton of moments in each episode. Really. You got at least one or two that were like just that nostalgia or that feeling that you were like, wow, they really did a good job writing these episodes and what a nice touch. It didn't need to be there, but it worked so well. And it was a nice touch that Rex didn't actually want a promotion. Like he didn't, he didn't <laughs> want to take it at all. But Anakin's just like, you're commander now. And he's like, uh, what? <laughs> But the the landing on Mandalore, absolutely fantastic. I felt like it really echoed the battle over Coruscant in in Revenge of the Sith. Um, it's very kinetic. Uh, you know, there's ships going around. There's Mandalorians flying around on jetpacks on both sides, sure. and there's all, all manner of different cool moves. But what this scene really was made for was Ahsoka jumps out of of a, a ship and is basically free falling through the air, landing on other ships, running, pulling out her lightsabers killing guys, saving clones, and it was just like, holy shit, she's way more powerful than we've ever seen her before. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to get to that a little bit later, uh, I think near the end of the arc, too, where she shows off even more of her Jedi power. Yeah, and then uh, she meets, you know, once they land, they they go all the way to the throne room, and they meet Almec. Almec was the prime minister of Mandalore, who uh, pretty much was a snake in the grass and a pretty shitty politician. Uh, one of the cool things I noticed this time around was Almec never, ever wore Beskar armor, like the rest of mm-hmm. you know the Mandalorians who were in Death Watch, the warrior culture did. But now, as the prime minister, the acting prime minister of Mandalore, basically in public, in his throne room, he is wearing Beskar armor, which, uh, you know, kind of shows you that Mandalore has gone away from the peaceful planet that they were under Duchess Satine and has now gone into this more warrior based culture under Almec and Death Watch and obviously Darth Maul. But it was a nice little nod that they don't need to call out. But obviously, if you're a fan of like the Mandalorian and stuff like that, you're now seeing how Mandalore went from the peaceful planet that it was in in Clone Wars to the warrior race that it is now. Because during the siege of Mandalore in this series, obviously, you see citizens getting caught in the crossfire and stuff like that. And they obviously don't want to appear weak ever again. 
And it, uh, we obviously know there's another siege, another sacking of Mandalore coming that obviously would probably be led by uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character from the Mandalorian. So dark times are ahead for them, for sure. Yeah, it just makes me think how much cooler Revenge of the Sith would be if we got this like scenes like this cut into it as well part of the plot i almost want to see like an ultra cut of these kind of battles all going together between the two between the animation and the live action we kind of did how awesome was the episode when din Djarin is rescued by death watch like as as a clone wars fan like were you watching that and you were like oh that's awesome it's you know it's a mandalorian but then when you see his right shoulder plate and you're like oh that's a death watch Mm -hmm. symbol that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's a that is a nice it, it's dave filoni taking that stupid cowboy hat that he wears and he just goes uh-huh lady <laughs> you get it you get it everyone else thinks it's cool but you sir who watched the clone wars you get it <laughs> uh well, another cool thing in this first episode is we see darth maul and bo katan second in command darth maul's second in command is gar saxon who we will meet more in rebels as he kind of becomes uh i forget what his title is but he's basically basically like the the governor of 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 mandalore uh he's the one that is responsible for for protecting mandalore against rebel threats uh and works for the empire but here he is darth maul's second in command so kind of goes to show that like this guy really holds no allegiance to his own people he really just looks for the most powerful position he can get to save his skin and then we see uh bo katan second in command who is ursa ren She's the mother of Sabine Wren. Yeah. Uh, she also shows up in a Mandalorian arc that happens in Rebels, which was one of my favorite arcs in Rebels, for sure. So uh, getting deeper into the Mandalorian culture post-Clone Wars and getting us closer to where it is in the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. And just, again, I feel like I've broken record. Just connecting all that that stuff, is it made this feel so brilliantly written over and over. I, I kept feeling that way while we were watching these episodes. I'm like, oh, that ties into that. Oh, yeah, nice. Okay, cool. <laughs> and just seeing all these characters jump back in. It was great. Loved it. I'm glad. Yeah, it was that, nice you know. to see it. All the threads were are like the back of a corset. And this was just Dave Filoni putting his foot in the back of the prostitute's back and just pulling the threads tighter. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, could you imagine if we you didn't gotta, get this, though? Like, we sat there for that many years and didn't get these episodes. And uh, just it feels everything feels right now that we finally got this final piece. It really does. Um, but one of the things like I was thinking about while watching it, like, um, as I said, I was watching some of the episodes with my wife and she's like, but didn't we watch that episode where like Darth Sidious came down and like shot lightning into Darth Maul and stuff like that and I was like yeah 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 we yeah, we did get that episode she's like wasn't he captured how's he back on Mandalore now and I was like oh yeah uh, you have to read the <laughs> you know the Star Wars comic Darth Maul son of Dathomir to find out how he escaped mm. <laughs> and she's like oh pass can you just tell me and I was like yeah Gar Saxon broke him out of jail <laughs> done <laughs> yeah, yeah and that's and that's the problem with all this stuff is the casual fan you know might not go that in depth but i'm telling you if you haven't given the cartoons you know the animated series a chance these are the ones to watch definitely like you said forget that bull crap that's not right right now but go back and watch clone wars and rebels for sure oh for sure oh uh, well resistance is over it's done oh okay uh, good. They, uh, it's over for sure me too they, <laughs> yeah i mean they, they didn't say it was canceled they sent it they, they said that it was it ran its course and stuff like that but on the low key it was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Disney just doesn't want to admit that anything from Star Wars failed, especially in the wake of The Last Jedi and then the the, the double punch coming from The Rise of Skywalker where, you know, fans are torn over those sure, two to sure. admit that something else in the line has failed. They're like, you know what? 
after Solo and The Last Jedi and now The Rise of Skywalker, we just decided that it ran its course. Yeah. But let, let's let's <laughs> stay on the nice. positive end, though, of, you know, now Mandalorian, End of Clone Wars, at least those are some high points. <laughs> right? I, oh, God, absolutely. And I'm still looking forward to whatever they have coming on Disney Plus sure. after this. And, uh, you know, Unfortunately, we don't know what the Obi-Wan series is doing. We know that that's kind of like up in the air. That's Deborah Chow that will be the the showrunner of that, uh, one of the directors from The Mandalorian. But they've kind of gone back to the drawing board on that. And I wonder if that uh, doing all those rewrites for that series and kind of putting it on an indefinite hold for right now has something to do with maybe it tying into some other plans that they either canceled or tying into the rise of Skywalker in some way where they're like, you know what? We need to leave all that behind us and we need to just soldier forward. So rewrite that whole thing, let you and age two to three more years and then bring them back in. Sure. Sure. <laughs> either way, I think he's going to be perfect for it. And I can't wait to see him come back. And the big shocker in this first episode is we learned that Darth Maul has a plan, you know, this plan to take over Mandal- Mandalore. It-, it was basically an excuse to lure not Obi-Wan Kenobi there, yeah. his greatest rival, uh, the person he hates the most, but actually to lure Anakin Skywalker there. And he he gets into that in the second episode. But the idea is he's kind of the dark side has never been stronger at this time. Obviously, Darth Sidious is rising and everything like that. So obviously, the dark side swells up and it allows him to have a vision and a force. And he sees Anakin, what Anakin's going to do and who Anakin's going to become. And he obviously has a hatred of his former master because he replaced him with a dude who wears the pens. <laughs> nice. I mean, that, that's what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah. He's just like, I'm sorry. You thought I was dead. I'll give you a mulligan on that. But then when you found out I was alive, you kept this guy? <laughs> this guy. Yeah, yeah. And this was interesting here, this this point, because when, like you said, I thought he was trying to lure Obi-Wan. That was my first thought. But then it was a good way to kind of expose Anakin to the idea, or uh, I'm sorry, Ahsoka to the idea of what was going on with Anakin. Right. And then uh, later on, they have a conversation with Obi-Wan uh, through the hologram where he kind of mentions that Anakin can't talk to Ahsoka right now. He's on a special mission spying on the Chancellor. So we now know that we're like at the end of the first act of Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm, at this mm-hmm. point here in episode two. And the civilian that she is, Ahsoka's starting to put it together, but who knows what she can do, you know? Oh, what shade. What shade <laughs> is thrown at her when, like, she, she talks about how, like, th- this is coming yeah, towards the end of this episode, but she, she kind of talks about how she caught Darth Maul. And, <laughs> you know, she she gets offered a place back in the Jedi by Yoda and Mace Windu. And she said, you know, she's not really ready yet. Um, she's just a citizen doing her duty. And then she asks, like, another question of them. Like, well, like, you know, what's what's going on? What's the next thing? What's what, you know, what's next? And Mace Windu looks at her and he's just like, I'm sorry. That's Jedi business, citizen. (laughs) And I like, they could have literally just had Mace Windu snap his fingers (laughs) at that moment because I was like, fuck, that was shady as shit, you fool. God damn. I felt like when you were a kid and there was like, I wish he threw a mother. This is an A, B conversation. See your way out of it, you know? (laughs) Right. It only would have been made more badass if he just called her a motherfucker before he hung up. (laughs) (laughs) You citizen motherfucker. Boop. But uh, one of the cool things is uh, just before the Ahsoka and Darth Maul fight, Darth Maul is addressing his 
He's he, he's addressing the rest of of his his crime syndicate, and we see Dryden Voss right there in the holograms, and uh, it's pretty cool. You can tell it's him because it vaguely looks like a Paul Bettany, mm-hmm. but it also like you just see the scars going down his face or the, whatever those were. And I was like, oh well, that's a nice little touch, yeah, yeah. very minor, but it's. It, it ties it all together just just a little bit. And it was another one of those moments where I felt like I wanted to see more from that solo storyline and give me solo too. You know, I, I didn't love solo, but the threads that they laid out for it going forward interested me and I want to see more of that world. I think better than a solo movie would be more of like six to eight episode, just like underworld story where it like follows maybe not necessarily Han, but like other criminal elements of the Star Wars universe and 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 how the huts work. And also ties into to obviously Darth Maul, who will continue on after this, running his crime syndicate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would be probably more advantageous for them than trying another solo movie given the uh reaction that that got yeah fair enough (laughs) so we finally get to the point where ahsoka confronts maul in the throne room she has no clue he's going to be there they're just kind of like walking there after a confession from almec saying that darth maul has gone has has was muttering something about skywalker skywalker and then he is assassinated by gar saxon they they go to the throne room to kind of like strategize about their next move and there's darth maul sitting right there on the throne with a clone prisoner and he pretty much gets everybody out except for him and ahsoka and i absolutely love this scene because it is echoing memories of my favorite fight scene in the clone wars up to this point which was darth maul challenging pre vizsla for mandalore's throne way back in season five and i was like yes or four I can't remember which, yeah. but yes, awesome. But again, just, yeah, the, the homage done on purpose. And this was one of those scenes that was just so cinematic. It's like, oh man, I wish I could see this on a big screen. Like it, even my TV in the house wasn't big enough, you know? <laughs> but one of the cool things that I noticed is that he is trying to convince Ahsoka to join. He keeps holding his hand out, keeps holding it out, holding it out, telling her to you know, everything that's coming. He's kind of spilling the beans on Order 66 and 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 Darth Sidious's plan. Um, he's kind of, he's trying to convince her that Anakin is going to be the next apprentice. She doesn't believe him. Mm-hmm. All this is going on throughout the fight, but it goes into where his character is in Rebels, where he's, he's trying to gain an apprentice to make himself a true Sith Lord and a rival to Darth Sidious because, I mean, he obviously took on Savage Press. Uh, and even though when Sidious tried to confront them on Mandalore, uh, you know, he, he, he tried to pledge his allegiance to Sidious, but Sidious looked over and saw uh, Savage Press and said, you've taken an apprentice. That makes you a rival. <laughs> so uh, he's decided to take up that role, a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you, if you think me a rival, then I shall rival you. Little does he know that uh, if he can't beat Ahsoka... He stands no chance against Anakin or Obi-Wan, which I love Ahsoka taunting him with that throughout the fight. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I just loved everything about that scene. It was so badass. And it just makes her character that much stronger in the lore of Star Wars. And it makes me feel bad for people that have never seen her in action yet. I also love the title of the second episode, The Phantom Apprentice. Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of, it's almost like throwing shade at Darth Maul, mm-hmm, <laughs> who mm-hmm. was technically, well, him and Sidious are the Phantom Menace. <laughs> 
<laughs> she is the phantom apprentice, the one he never saw coming. He doesn't even know who she is, which I think echoes kind of like a lot of Star Wars fans or a lot of like people's, maybe the casual fans thoughts on Ahsoka Tano, where it's like, who are you? I don't even know who you are. How are you even a player in this game? You know, you don't, you're not even on my radar, True. but uh, he quickly learns that uh, he should have done his homework. And uh, Ahsoka obviously does defeat him without her lightsabers, which I thought was really impressive. Uh, you know, walking the tightrope on that scaffolding when he goes in for her and she kind of just reverses it and throws him down. I was like, aren't you supposed to be a master of Terracasi uh, there, Maul? But <laughs> well, he's, I guess he's got not. those uh, uh, robot but, legs now. You know, it's harder to balance. So uh. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but he was doing a better job of balancing than Ahsoka was, yeah. and I was attributing that to his robot legs. <laughs> uh, I love when he's captured because the, it's the clones that are bringing him in, and he's just like, no! You know, you don't know what you're doing! And it's like, well, he is kind of right on this point. You really don't know yeah. what you're doing. Now, uh, the one thing before you move on from that that I wanted to point out that I saw kind of researching this was that I didn't notice in the episode, but the two sides of his hilt on his lightsaber were different. And they said that that was from a novel that I guess part of that is from Asaz, Ven- Asaz Ventures' uh, lightsaber. So I didn't pick up on that the first watch. Oh, I wonder if that's from the uh, Dark Disciple. Yeah, that's where that's where Quinlan Voss falls to the dark side and Asaj Ventures, who uh, left the left the Dooku's side and stuff somewhere around season three of Clone Wars, kind of went off on her own as a bounty hunter. She kind of gets recruited by the Jedi to go after Quinlan Voss yeah. to kind of save him because he fell to the dark side. And uh, they kind of start a romance. I thought that was a nice touch, perish. though, because, you know, when, when Ray Park takes that first kind of stance and lights up the lightsaber, it's very much like we saw in episode one. But to notice that the lightsaber was different was kind of a cool touch, I thought. Yeah. And then uh, later on in Rebels, you'll notice that the two the two hilts are different again. And one of them looks like part of a Inquisitor's uh, yeah. lightsaber. Yeah. So the remnants of an Inquisitor's lightsaber. So it's, and uh, you had a chance to go build it's your own, right? interesting to see like these little knots. You, you did the whole build your own thing. What's that? You did the whole build your own thing. I did. Yeah, so I'm wondering now, like, is there a run on like, oh, everyone wants Ahsoka's, you know, new ones? <laughs> like, how often do they change that up and keep up with that? The, I, I don't think there's any like Ahsoka's because hers has kind of like that split format to it where it's kind of like almost like two separate pieces mm-hmm. put together instead of like cylinders all screwed together. It's more like two separate pieces put together like a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not, I don't I don't know if they, they do have uh, Ahsoka's lightsabers from Rebels at the at the uh, collecting store. Okay, yeah, because so you can get like the two hundred fifty dollar Force Effects Ahsoka lightsabers, the one that's a partially curved hilt, and the other one that's a straight her her Shoto blade, her short blade sure. for blocking, and her her curved hilt, which is her long blade for dueling. Yeah, because so, uh, you can get both of those. My, my daughter was checking it out and watching the episodes, and now she's all about it. And I was like, ooh, maybe when we go to Disney World, I may have to invest in an Ahsoka Tano one. <laughs> I bought a Force Effects uh, Ezra Bridger lightsaber for my daughter so it it makes dueling her very annoying because instead of using the lightsaber hilt she just fires the gun <laughs> at me all the time <laughs> damn you ezra she's like block it block it and it's like i'm not a real jedi i don't know how to tell you this <laughs> uh, yeah see she has the low budget uh forces of destiny like purple one that they came out with uh so that's oh yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, see, me rocking. and my daughter i know we're going on a tangent but me and my daughter loved forces of destiny yeah oh um, yeah i really loved showing that to her because it's all the girls from Star Wars. It finally just came to Disney Plus over the past couple weeks. But I love it. If you have time, they're very short. They're like five minutes. And they're they're nice little tie-ins. My favorite episode is uh, Harrison Dula 
and uh, Chopper on Endor, and uh, she forces uh, Han Solo to admit that the ghost is superior ship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they're really fun little episodes. And, and yeah, it kind of was a gateway to get my daughter into it and enjoy it and, you know, showcasing all the strong yeah, female characters. So it was cool. My daughter's favorite characters are Ahsoka, Hera, and Sabine Wren. There you go. So yeah. <laughs> you, could, you, you can tell that she's been watching Star Wars with me. She's more into them than she is like when I watch the movies. Like the, the movies are too real for her, but the cartoons are just enough that she's like, she gets the taste of it. She gets the, she gets the idea of what Star Wars is, but it's not, she's not being asked to, to carry the weight of some of the big ideas that are going on. Sure. Yeah. All right. Stay on target. Stay on target. Throw it in there. Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> So we uh we we come to to part three now shattered which this is the episode which absolutely eviscerates me it guts me uh it makes me feel like a child who like just saw his puppy get run over but we'll try to soldier on we'll try to get through it Ahsoka presents the plot to destroy the Sith to the Jedi Council after she's captured Maul but one of the cool things about her capturing Maul here is the fact that. Maul is being transported in like this special Mandalorian box. Uh, And this box is kind of like a holdover from the Mandalorian war versus the Jedi, which is the war that led Darth Revan and Darth Malak from the Jedi down the path of the dark side, which ultimately started the Jedi Sith war that happened. That's going on in Knights of the Old Republic. So this is a holdover from that time, which is close to, I believe it's three to 4,000 years prior to this. Uh, But on it, you see the carvings. Uh, one of the carvings is Tar Vizsla, who's holding the Darksaber, which obviously that's its own lore in and of itself that is brought up throughout Clone Wars, Rebels, and then the, and then the Mandalorian. But you also see Mandalorian Crusaders in that carving. They're wearing the armor that was traditional for the time of the Jedi Sith Wars way back in Knights of the Old Republic. So once they get Darth Maul onto the ship and everything, and we, we already talked about the scene where Mace Windu kind of throws shade at ahsoka so we won't retread that ground but <laughs> fucking cracked me up uh we get a part where you know maul is stored in the cargo bay and her and rex are just kind of like having this conversation on the bridge and she's got her arms uh you know rex has his arms crossed like darth vader does and she's just kind of like looking off into the distance and it reminded me a lot of that shot in revenge of the sith where sidious is standing there and darth, darth uh vader joins him for the first time on the bridge sure. and he gets called away by the Jedi Council for a call because General Grievous has been captured. Mm-hmm. So it, the the war is ending. He's going to get a debrief, and he asks Ahsoka if she'd like to join. Maybe she can talk to Luke Skywalker, to Anakin Skywalker, and she's like, "No, you know, you go. I'll catch up with him later." So again, she balks on talking to Anakin, but it's at this moment, once Rex is out of earshot, that she has. I think she has a vision, but we only hear it happening. Yeah, yeah. And we're hearing the moment that happens in the emperor's room, in, in I guess in the chancellor's office in his quarters between Anakin, Mace Windu, and Darth Sidious. Yeah. And we we hear that whole scene occurring in her head, and she goes to find Rex to tell her what she's just seen, and kind of I guess to admit to him that what Darth Maul told her could possibly be true, but moments before that order 66 was given yeah very cool very cool moment and the way that they did it kind of really echoing again the scenes from revenge of the sith Sith. and i read somewhere that they actually dubbed kind of a mix of hayden christians's voice with the character matt lanter who plays the character on the show to to give it a little more gravitas i guess so and i 
I would think that I, I, I guess I would say I think because Ahsoka had this vision, it puts her kind of like on guard a little bit. So that way, when she goes in to confront Rex and tell her, tell him what what she just saw, she's kind of like her blood's already going right. And of course, Rex turns around, points the gun at her, and with tears through his eyes is telling her, find fives, find fives, and he's about to fire on her, but he gives her just enough time to react mm-hmm. and pull her lightsabers, block his bolts, and block the rest of the bolts from the rest of the clones who are coming in on her, and and plot her escape, which uh, you know, it ultimately leads her to releasing Darth Maul as a diversion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which was a great scene. Which is... Right. I mean, but is that's that's kind of like, you know what? We're going to be attacking over here, so drop a nuke over there. Yeah, he's like the Tasmanian devil draw, of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Uh and uh, I mean, first off, I mean, how did you feel watching Rex in this moment? It's just that that single tear roll. Yeah. Did you feel like I felt were you like, "Oh, fucking shit. You're killing me, man." Yeah, 100%. I mean, for me, I think this was my favorite episode of the four, and I don't know if it was just like I said, the tension was there, the emotionality was there, and it left you on a little bit of a cliffhanger even. And I, I loved everything about this episode, and I was so psyched. I think I watched it on Sunday, and that was when I text you the line that we're going to get to. Um, and yeah. I was just pumped, like, give me that last episode now after this one. And and luckily, you know, that this premiered on Friday, and then we got the next episode that Monday on May the 4th. Mm-hmm. So, um, but while watching that, I realized, like, if I had a heart attack right now and I had to be rushed to the hospital, but there was, like, a chance I lived, there'd probably be a doctor who looked at my wife and just, like, he's lost the will to live. <laughs> <laughs> He needs to see the final episode like, of Clone Wars the, before he passes. <laughs> like, that's the way I felt like like after Rex pulled his pistols on her because I think like when we see their relationship in in Rebels, I think like we always assumed he never turned on her. Like I, I guess I was going into this kind of like assuming that he knew about the inhibitor chips that we learned about in, in, in season six mm-hmm. that he may have already deactivated or removed his. Uh, so I wasn't actually expecting a turn from Rex here. I thought he was going to be the only clone on her side, but seeing him turn was, I was like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I watched it with, I watched it with my kids and they were like, what? Wait a minute. He's, he's a traitor basically. And I was like, ah, well let's pump the brakes. But it was a little bit of a surprise and kind of tense. You know, it was cool. Cool the way they did it. How does daddy explain brainwashing to children? (laughs) Well, let's see. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know how you hear water run and then you got to pee? That's brainwashing. (laughs) Rex is just hearing the water of the dark side and he has to follow it. (laughs) But uh, this leads Ahsoka to escape, release Darth Maul, and we get a fucking fantastic Darth Maul unleash scene. Uh, After Ahsoka denies giving him one of her one of her lightsabers, he gets his hallway scene. Which I feel like this is like the the Marvel shows on Netflix where everyone had to have a single cut hallway scene. Yeah, your daredevil. You know, yeah. I feel like <laughs> yeah. So now now like every every badass moment has to be like Darth Vader in Rogue One. That just that yeah. that final that final shot of Vader taking on all the even some of Darth Maul's moves in this are directly taken from that. The throwing the guy up in the air and holding him to the ceiling and then slamming him down on the ground. Vader did the exact same True, thing. True, yeah. It def- the definitely definitely reminded thing. me of that. And uh one more thing I just remembered we didn't really mention before was uh I wanted to mention the the music. They did a lot of tie-ins with the music and I want to say during that fight scene not the hallway, but the fight scene we talked about earlier, you had that duel of the fates kind of 
working its way into the score a little bit, which was brilliant. And I think you did, but they also they also worked in uh, Giacchino's score from from Rogue One. Okay, that, okay, uh, yeah. Which which was uh, I believe Giacchino said it was based on the breathing of Darth Vader is the way he scored that. So it's a mixture of like uh, Darth Vader's theme and his breathing with like a twist. So it gets like that. Ah, yeah, yeah. Tsh, tsh, they kind of echoed that here with uh with maul's fighting yeah yeah but without a lightsaber that yeah that hallway uh, scene was was badass and he was like slicing people in half with metal doors and using them as shields and crushing people every way he could do it without his weapons he did it and it was awesome right and then even then just you know just like vader killed the final guy who was trying to get out the door by stabbing him as he gets the plans out mm-hmm. and the the door is pretty much about to crush that guy's arm here the door does crush the guy's arm. Yeah. You know, Darth Maul is pulling the 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 uh, clone trooper by his arm through the door as it's clo- closing, so that it cuts his arm off with the clone's communicator on it. So it's like he, I, I think you're seeing the power of Maul, but you're also seeing sort of like the tactical side of Maul, the yeah. side of Maul that allowed him to take over Mandalore and take over the crime syndicate. It, it was it was kind of like his John McClane moment. He got the radio, you know? He got to listen in to what they were planning and what they were doing. So Ahsoka also goes off, and I love her plan to catch Rex, where she kind of like, she kind of pulls the whole Leia, you know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope, where she kind of appeals to Rex through a hologram using a bunch of droids, and, and then she shows up behind him takes him out and she does all the research to find out what he meant by find fives, which was obviously going back to those episodes where the clones learned about the inhibitor chips and very reminiscent uh, or, or I got, I kind of thought this might've been an homage to Prometheus a little bit, putting it in like the, the, the medical bay that kind of like, oh. so she knocks Rex out, puts him in a medical bay and it's scanning him for like anomalies. And uh, they, they ultimately do find it, but the way they mm-hmm. find it is, I don't know whether she calms his mind by doing this or whether it's just her way of touching the force, but it's another callback to Rogue One as she's holding Rex's head and it's scanning him and she's trying to find an inhibitor chip to take it out and she's, I am one with the force, the force is with me, I'm one with the force, the force is with me and Rex starts repeating it and echoing it and that's what ultimately allows them to find the inhibitor chip and remove it. Yeah, and that that just makes me hopeful for where we see Ahsoka next if she's going to go down kind of that same path Fuck yeah! of those characters, you know, from Rogue One. Yeah, Uh, yeah. That'd be, that'd be badass. <laughs> How awesome would that be to see them reunited and, you know, she trains with him or something down the road. I hate to tell you, that's what Trip died, great. man. <laughs> well, well no. you know this, but like, you, <laughs> you know, know what he, I mean. <laughs> once, once, he, once he flicked the master switch, motherfucker got blasted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she, uh, the clones are bashing in the door to the medical bay, and Rex bounces up, blasts a couple clones. Uh, Ahsoka gets the door shut, and we find out that Rex is gonna be okay. He's uh, the inhibitor chip is gone, and uh, he's no longer under the command of Order sixty six like the rest of his clone brothers. But I gotta imagine how hard that was for Rex to just kind of like blast his brothers yeah yeah that that kind of and then you get like a little showdown sequence i think that's in part four so um i i have like a little bit of a theory uh rex has been around for a long time he's one of the earliest clones um that was ever batched i wonder if he was able to fight his inhibitor chip early on because they hadn't perfected the inhibitor chip enough by the time that that when he was made because he's he's one of the first batches so he's been around for quite some time but he's also been changed by his emotional attachment to 
Anakin and also Ahsoka as well. He just didn't get the updates, man. Right. He just yeah. hasn't updated <laughs> his computer. He needs to do a well, restart. Ahsoka restarted him <laughs> and then and got rid of his malicious malware. So. <laughs> All right, so this brings us to part four, <laughs> victory and death. W- one of the things that took away from this, because this th- this episode is just about action from beginning until just before the end. It is just straight action the whole way. But one of the cool things is as Ahsoka and Rex are fighting through the hallways and taking on other clones, you know, Ahsoka parries one way to block a blaster bolt and Rex's body moves the other way to fire. And like he... It's her movements, and he is moving in the opposite direction. It just goes to show, A, how these two work so well together, but B, how well-equipped Rex is to fighting alongside a Jedi for all these years. Yeah, yeah. He he had some definite, like, choreography almost with her. And, you know, I, I'd hate to insinuate anything else, but it, maybe he's got some force, I don't know, sensitivity or something to it. Who knows? You never know. I, I, I think it just goes to show that he's been fighting with a Jedi for uh, the better part of four years, pretty much, the entire run of the Clone Wars, him and Anakin and him and Ahsoka. Um, it's just it's just become second nature to him. But the movements, I mean, they they flow so well together. It, it is like watching poetry. It's really like really well done. I would suggest that you just like watch the episode once and just for the story, but like the second time around, watch like that stuff that's going on because like it's it's that attention to detail that like really makes this arc stand out uh so well. Uh, and then finally, we, we, you know, I mean, this episode, like I said, it's just about all action. The, they, they meet up with the rest of the clones in the hangar as they're trying to get away. But one of the things that really interests me was that uh, the, the clone, the ARC trooper Jesse tells Rex that Lord Sidious gave the command for Order 66. He doesn't say the Chancellor. He says Lord Sidious, mm-hmm. which means that the clones are now fully aware Mm-hmm. That they are working for a Sith Lord. Yeah. And is that just part of the order? A part of Order 66? Part of those chips to kind of like... That's what I was wondering. Yeah. But it also goes to show you why maybe Sidious was so quick to dispatch the clones after the Clone War to get rid of them and bring in ordinary citizens uh, to mm-hmm. train as stormtroopers and become military you know, soldiers. Uh, but it, it was just something that I was like, huh, should the clones know that? Should the clones know that it's Sidious? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's one of those things. It's one of those things like Superman and the glasses. I mean, how do people not know they're the same person? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, at the point that Darth Maul, uh, who's still in play here, uh, he, he basically beats them to the shuttle that they were trying to take, Rex and Ahsoka. Uh, Ahsoka's holding that back and it reminded me a lot of of the rise of Skywalker when uh, yeah. Ray is trying to hold back the shuttle who supposedly took Chewbacca and the Sith lightning comes out. Now, obviously that doesn't happen with Ahsoka cause she's all good, baby. You know, there, there ain't no dark side in her. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I yet, think anyway, you know, appealing to your video game sensibilities, didn't they kind of establish that in the fallen order video game? Right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And then of course uh, the, as everything goes to shit, Darth Maul escapes on the shuttle. We won't see him again until, I guess in the timeline solo and then, you know, later on in Rebels in the animated timeline, they eventually get to themselves to a Y Wing. And as as the ship is coming down, Ahsoka fails to get inside the Y Wing. But as they're they're like flying down, uh, or falling down, uh it's it's you know, just falling with style. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka <laughs> is doing the same thing she did in the very first episode when they landed on Mandalore. She's landing on parts of debris, running, jumping, you know, like you're again seeing her prowess they ultimately she uh, rex gets her inside the the y-wing and the rest of the ship crashes with 
all of the clones on it. The reason the ship crashed, uh, we didn't mention it, but I'm sure you watched it because you're hearing spoilers. But Darth Maul, like like an uber badass, just ripped the fucking nuclear reactors or like the the reactor cores out of the of the starship, which was yeah. nuts. Yeah, he Absolutely was crazy. Nuts. And I think there's no question in my mind that them just establishing him as even more of a badass, we're going to see him again. There's no way they don't make another show or movie or something where we see him. They know that they fucked up by killing him in that first movie. They do. But I still like the idea that he does meet his end in the Rebels episode Twin Sons. That, yeah, yeah, it was a nice send off. Yeah. I know a lot of people were very upset that that lightsaber battle was not. Yeah, it was short. <laughs> short. It was yeah. short. It wasn't. It wasn't the 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 big battle everybody wanted. But I felt it was appropriate for where both characters were at the time. And I I look at it as almost homage to Obi Wan and Vader because that was a very short battle and not very intricate. You know. Right. Yeah. On on the on the Death Star. Yeah. Not. Not the Revenge of the Sith battle. I mean, that's... No, no, no. Oh, in uh, New Hope, yeah. <laughs> that's a third of the movie. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so the the ship crashes. All the clones are dead. All the droids that were helping them out are dead. Yeah. And Ahsoka and Rex bury the dead. And Ahsoka, while standing there looking at the wreckage of the ship, drops her lightsaber and her and Rex part off and 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 go off and i guess we don't we won't catch up with them until rebels um or the ahsoka novel if you read that but this scene is described in the ahsoka novel that her and rex had to bury things of themselves her lightsabers and i believe it was supposed to be i forget what it was i think it was his blasters i'm I'm not sure but it was something they left behind so that the empire would believe that they died in that crash uh so no one would come looking for them but that's described in the ahsoka novel but we get the final shot of the series you know this sort of like desert ish moon that they crash on is covered in snow when we see snowtroopers stormtroopers and we just hear the ominous as vader is traversing the snow-covered field and he's looking upon the wreckage and he picks up ahsoka's lightsaber and as he looks off in the distance there's like this long-tailed owl creature that's kind of like flying overhead and if you watch rebels that is basically the symbol of ahsoka um that ahsoka at least the symbol that ahsoka is alive i I think it's a holdover from the mortis trilogy that happened Mm -hmm. earlier on in the clone Wars series where the sister was like the embodiment of good and the at, at least the the owl's features match hers and i believe the owl actually appears on her shoulder during the mortis trilogy as well so and since she embodies the light side it's kind of like the light side is always with ahsoka at that point so we know that in rebels after her her final battle in season two after that closed we saw this owl creature fly away and it was kind of like our symbol that Ahsoka lives and, and she's still strong. And it's kind of like that same symbol here as it's flying overhead over, over Darth Vader. Yeah. I mean, what an amazing scene and a nice touch and nice send off to her character. And I thought it was cool. They kind of give you a glimpse inside the helmet too. And you kind of just see like Anakin's eyes. You can almost see Anakin's eye, right? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Just for a real brief second. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. They usually don't do that when showing Vader. And I thought it was a nice touch as well. Yeah, and it's an, it is another thing that's like a callback to Rebels because we do see underneath the mask in Rebels, underneath Vader's mask there. Mm-hmm. Again, not spoiling stuff there. I don't want to get into that. But um, so it was it, I think it was just a beautiful way to 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 
top it off. You know, you're still left with the same feeling that you were left with at the end of Revenge of the Sith. It's like, it's over, right? It's done. The good guys all lost. Sidious is in power and the Empire is rising. But there's this glimmer of hope as, you know, Revenge of the Sith ends with Luke being brought to Tatooine and being given to Uncle Uncle Owen and Aunt Veru. Mm-hmm. And here we get the 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 hope that Ahsoka is still out there, you know, and the, the owl is representing that. And it kind of ends with the same, like, you know, the twin sons theme, like that, that looking off into the distance and the adventure continues. Uh, it'll pick up at some point and it's up to you to pick it up, to, to check out rebels or to read the Ahsoka novel or to follow whatever comes down the pike from Dave Filoni and the character of Ahsoka. I think starting the series with the introduction of Ahsoka and ending it, with uh, her final arc is just perfect. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, with all Star Wars properties, that's kind of what it's all about is leaving you with that little bit of hope, looking forward, whatever, like you said. And uh, this was perfect. This was a perfect way to, like I said, reinforce some of those other stories too and tie it into everything a little bit more neatly. And I really appreciated that. And like I said, I almost feel like I want to rewatch the prequels now to see if it helps my appreciation of the prequels. Just did. Can't say that it does, but I can say (laughs) it probably will. Increase your uh, experience and your love of Rogue One. Uh, okay, I can't okay. sing Rogue One's praises enough. Uh, oh, me and my yeah. wife just watched it on May the 4th after we watched this. And then we watched A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi today. But it was just, fuck. It, it really is the best that Disney has done post you know, their, their, their acquisition of Lucasfilm. And it's like that and The Mandalorian. You're like, just, just that. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how you do right. that every time. But you need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Doesn't you're hundred percent exactly right. Like that every time. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and we're in such an interesting ever. age of Star Wars overall as a property, and it's cool for me too to have, and you too, you have a young daughter to be able to now reintroduce it in a different way. And I feel like Ahsoka is a nice way, and this Clone Wars has been a nice way to kind of usher that in because we spent the last twenty four hours in our house too watching New Hope, Empire, and Return yeah. of the Jedi. So same thing. It got my daughter more excited and more into it. So I'm glad that they gave us this final look at Clone Wars. Oh, for sure. And I know, you know, my good friend Chris Brayton from I Like to Like Things, he's been watching Clone Wars and Rebels with his daughters and stuff like that. So it it it, it is a nice way. And it is, you know, I do like that Star Wars, I know a lot of people have a problem with it, but I like that Star Wars has put a focus on the female characters after the acquisition, you know, with Rey and Ahsoka and Jin Sabine Urso. and Hera and, you know, uh, Jen Erso, right. You know, and even Cara, Cara Doom. Mm-hmm. Mandalorian, yeah. In Mandalorian, I, I think they're all strong female characters, and it is something that that pretty much Star Wars lacked for a long time. You had one, you had Leia <laughs> since <laughs> 1977. <laughs> you've had one. <laughs> the occasional other one would crop up here and there, but pretty much you just had one. Because I would argue that Padme is not a very strong female character, um, especially given you know the end of Revenge of the Sith. But I. I, I think that you know, I like that as a father with a daughter. And I think you can appreciate that as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that the next couple of weeks are spent diving deep into even more of these films and, and maybe more series. So yeah. Thank you. Star yeah, Wars. There's, <laughs> there's nothing that's more joyful than like watching rebels or clone wars with my daughter. And my daughter asked me a question and I was just like, all right, well let's pause this. I'll get you a glass of milk. I'll get a cup of coffee. I gotta have a talk. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna start sending her questions your way because you obviously know way more than I do. So, 
Yeah, and th- but the fun part is like, how do I explain this to a child? Where it's like, you know, <laughs> so it's like a child can easily understand this. Um, <laughs> it's just bad juju, baby. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what the dark side is. It's bad juju. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything else you want to add about uh, the Clone Wars uh, series finale or anything else Star Wars for that matter? No, no. Right now, I'm just, like I said, I'm just happy with what we've got from this final season of Clone Wars. And I'm looking forward to more Mandalorian documentary to kind of dive into the behind the scenes making of that because that fascinates me. And I feel hopeful uh, for just... what's going forward, you know, based on what they gave us in that first episode and talking to some of those filmmakers sure. and, and knowing, like you said, Deborah Chow, what she's going to do with Obi-Wan, what we're going to get in these future, you know, properties that they keep announcing. I really have a lot of hope that they're in the right direction. I, I, I do, too. I got to think that the hiring of Taika Waititi to take over over and do a, a Star Wars film. They, they only said one so far. I got to think that's Feige, though, because we know that they brought Feige in to kind of um, consults, I guess you could say, but it's pretty clear that they're grooming him to take over for Kathleen Kennedy at some point. But uh, it's it's an interesting place to be. I do think they're learning from their mistakes of the sequel trilogy. I'm not saying that the sequel trilogy is bad. I'm just saying that they're, you know, I think you can objectively look at it and say, yeah, there's flaws. Well, well, and overall, it was, weak. It. it was weak because of the continuity of the trilogy wasn't there, whereas somebody like exactly. Feige, I think, could do that and knows how to establish that. So, Oh, shit. He's been doing it since 2008, so why there not? You go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, man, tell tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. I mean, like I said, I've been a fan, and I know I, I've been listening to you talk Star Wars, especially with your certain point of view and you know all that stuff for, for years now, so I'm glad I finally got to be part of the conversation with you. You can find me uh, weekly sometimes more than weekly on the take two podcast that's t-o-o so you can find us at take two podcast.com or on all your socials facebook instagram twitter uh and download our episodes on apple Podcasts and podbean awesome man and you were so worried that you weren't going to keep up with me in star wars and stuff but you're there like you've you've watched I mean, all it is is just absorbing the content and other than the video games you have like you're 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 right there and i gotta say that there's there's no such thing as like level of fandom. You're a fan of it or you're not. So sure, like if you sure. liked anything of Star Wars, you're a fan of Star Wars. And that's yeah, it. I, I just don't want to get corrected by duty. So please, duty, don't call me out. Uh, it's going to happen. It, we're both, <laughs> both going to be corrected by duty. It doesn't matter. He's, he's, <laughs> uh, one of us pronounced something wrong or, or we, 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 we quoted something from an episode and we, we remembered it in the wrong order. It's just going to happen. You just have to accept that duty correction. <laughs> right. Well, sorry, duty. I did my best. <laughs> he, is, he is the king of shaken, not nerd. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he does lord over all other nerds as a result of that. So. But that's going to do it for Super Mood Brothers this week. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, uh, you could be part of the show. You can comment on this episode and anything else that we talk about by following us on social media. You can follow me on Twitter. That's at Super Movie Pod. You can follow Jay over on the Facebook, Super Movie Bros Podcast over there. Uh, we both have Instagrams. Just search uh, Super Movie Bros Podcast and you'll find Jay's. Uh, he runs our Instagram. I have my own personal Instagram at SMB Dave, but uh, mostly it's pictures of my daughter. So uh, you're going to get a lot of that if you go if you follow me there uh and then of course if you're really enjoying the show you want to show us a little bit of love you can reach out to uh the podcast listening app of your choice leave us a review if it's itunes leave us a five-star review write us a review we'll read it on the show if your app allows you to do that i guarantee you i'll read it on the show and of course 
The same goes for Take Two podcasts. You got to check them out. If you're enjoying it, leave them a review too, because it's the only way that indie podcasts like us can grow. It's the only way that people can see that we're a quality show and uh, to let others know that you are enjoying it as well. And then, of course, if you're a big, 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 big fan of Super Movie Bros and you want some deep cuts, you can join us on our Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Podcast. There you can hear me talk Star Wars a little bit, and you can hear me play with the Star Wars universe a little bit because one of my most recent episodes was all the skits that me and Wes did when we were doing uh, Most Good Eisley, Morning, yeah. Most Eisley. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a series that literally lasted three episodes, uh, and me and Wes are just both two guys running, running two separate podcasts, and we are the ones running the entire show, so it became hard for both of us to take the reins of a of a new podcast so it fell by the wayside but i loved the skits and the news stories that we did so much that i had to to bring it to other star wars fans in some way and i decided that patreon was the best way to do it so the only way that you're going to hear that is if you head over to patreon.com slash super movie bros podcast so have a great one cheers see you <laughs>